teach a Bible study tonight, obviously, uh, but more than just a Bible study. Uh, last Wednesday night, I thought was a, um, it's, 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 it was great material, uh, so applicable to Grace Church and where we are wanting to take Grace Church, and tonight's Bible study is going to be much the same. Uh, so I'm glad you're here, and I'm going to ask all of you to lend me your ear through this Bible study, and uh, we will not be very long. Uh, last Wednesday night, I talked to you about a living legacy. And if you were not here, I encourage you to go back and watch that Bible study. Tonight, I want to talk to you about connecting with our culture. Connecting with our culture. To begin, I'd like to read from Acts chapter 8, verse 4. The Bible said, Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. In Acts 11, verse 9, in the uh, New Living Translation, it said, But the voice from heaven came again. If God says something is acceptable, do not say it isn't. This is the uh, New Living Translation of Acts chapter 11, verse 9, and I think it's a, it's a wonderful way to say that versus what King James says. But the voice from heaven came against, if God says something is acceptable, don't say it isn't. I get a good denominational nod. You know. And then in Acts chapter 11, verse 17, if therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us, speaking of the Gentiles, when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? And then in Acts chapter 15, verse 28, for it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. We're going through a a book of Acts study, not in depth, but we're, we're hitting the highlights of it. And, and coming out of that is a blueprint from which we make an effort to lead Grace Church and use that as a basis to lead Grace Church. So drawing again from the book of Acts, the first few years the church in the book of Acts existed, only Jewish people were evangelized mostly through the ministry of the apostles. If that trend had continued, you and I would not be in the church today because it would have only been for Jewish people. So what changed? What changed? Watch the transition. First of all, God used internal circumstances. It was actually conflict that was brought to the apostles for them to resolve pertaining to ministry to the widows of the first church in the book of Acts to teach the church that they needed to share ministry. And we talked to you about that a couple of weeks ago with ministry teams and so on. But then he used external circumstances, i.e. persecution, to teach the church that they needed to be evangelizing everywhere to everyone. In doing so, it was necessary for them to reach beyond current 
church culture to be able to impact the world around them. So the church began to modify their method of outreach in order to reach the Gentiles. And those of you that know anything about Scripture knows that the Jews were not allowed, particularly throughout the course of the Old Testament, to have anything to do with Gentile people. But if they had not done that, they would have never been able to reach anyone but Jewish people. Listen to Pastor tonight. This cultural change within the church had nothing to do with the content of the gospel, but everything to do with changing their presentation of the gospel. Did y'all get that? This cultural change within the church had nothing to do with the content of the gospel, but it had everything to do with the changing of their presentation of the gospel. There was more opposition to this change from a, that is, the change they were making from a Jewish Jerusalem-based church to a Gentile Roman church. There was a lot of opposition to this change, and you can read about it in the book of Acts. There was more opposition to this change than there was any other. But as the New Testament saints began to target their efforts into reaching the majority of their culture, God gave them an incredible harvest. Now, I don't want anybody to bow up on me just yet. I'm, we're going to, you're going to see something on the screen that talks about the biblical concept of targeting. And I'm going to talk to you about what that means. No single congregation can reach everyone. Is that kind of a no-brainer, or do y'all need to ponder that for a minute? Do y'all think Grace Church can win and reach the entire world by itself? If you think we can, I'd like to see you after church and you educate me on how we're going to do that. Okay. So no single congregation can reach everyone, first of all, due to geography. Number two, due to language barriers. Number three, music. Number four, custom. And even to some degree, personal preference, excuse me. That is why we are a part of a worldwide fellowship. And our missionaries are trained before they go to their foreign field of ministry and burden. They're trained and schooled in the culture of that country and language before they get there. They realized, and particularly in the 60s, a lot of our missionaries would go to foreign countries and they would try to Americanize their converts instead of Christianize, if that's a word, their converts. So we are part of a fellowship and there is huge diversity in the United Pentecostal Church alone in spite of what people may say or even think. If you don't believe that, sit down with some of our missionaries when they come through. They don't do stuff like we do it. No, sirree. They preach out under trees. They preach in little villages. They preach in front of stores. They preach anywhere and everywhere. We're pretty much locked into preaching in a building, and that's part of our demise, in my opinion. Anyway, another subject for another time. But whether they are made consciously or unconsciously, our congregation's choices today will determine who we reach out to tomorrow. 
a church, or even a radio station for that matter, that continuously tries to appeal to everyone's preference will wind up offending everybody and reaching nobody. So to be successful, we must determine who lives in our area and how we can best reach them and then intentionally go after them. That's targeting. That's what I mean by targeting. So the Bible determines our message. The Bible determines our message, and we've been very clear on that point. But our target determines how we communicate that message. So targeting is a biblical principle. For those of you that are still struggling with that word target, Jesus targeted his ministry, did he not, to the lost sheep of the household of Israel. He said it. I am only sent to the lost sheep of the household of Israel. Then he instructed his disciples to do the same thing. Peter targeted his ministry to the Jewish people, while Paul targeted his ministry to the Gentiles in Galatians chapter 2, verse 7. So we even have four Gospels. We have four Gospels in the New Testament because each one of them was written with a specific target in mind. Matthew wrote to the Jews, Mark wrote to the Romans, Luke wrote to the Greeks, and John wrote to the church. God himself invented the concept of targeting. No missionary to a foreign country would try to reach people without first understanding their culture and language and communicating with them on that basis. It is just as crucial to understand the people in our area if we want to minister to them and evangelize them. We don't have to agree with our culture. We don't have to agree with it, but we do have to understand it. So in a nutshell, a very small nutshell, our target here at Grace Church has become young families with kids because of our amazing kids ministry, both on Sunday and Wednesday, and broken people. We have ministered to and helped a lot of people who have been broken by church environments, broken church relationships. We've helped people that are bitter. We've helped people that can't forgive and so on. And so our target when we meet people who are broken and have broken relationships with God, their families and so on, um, we go after them as long as they're not going to church somewhere else. We'll go after them. I do. I'll I'll go after them to want to help them. And now we have established somewhat of a reputation for that. And people sometimes will come here because they're broken, because they know they'll get a lot of latitude, a lot of grace, a lot of mercy, a lot of kindness. So I can tell you tonight we attract young families because of our kids' ministry, but we can also attract broken people because of our environment. And I'm thankful for that. So Jesus' standard approach with people was this. Start where people are. When Jesus talked to the Pharisees, he talked about the law. When he talked to farmers, he talked about seed. When he talked to fishermen, he talked about fish. When he talked to the rich young ruler, he talked about money. When he talked to the woman at the well, he talked about water. Y'all see that? Uh, you, 
you can mess up an opportunity. When somebody comes to you and says, I'm really broken, my marriage is terrible, uh, my church, you know, did this, this, and this, and you say, well, first of all, you need to believe that there's one God. And then, you know, in Deuteronomy, the Bible says, for the Lord, our God is one Lord, and you know, that's not where they're at. You don't have to show your theologianism. It's another new word. When you have an opportunity... To minister to somebody. You minister to them where they're at. I've used the story a thousand times, but it's so big in my head even to this day. When we were an associate pastor in Chillicothe years ago, I went to the guy's house that came to the door all dressed funny, and I'm not going to go through all that. But I was so opposite him in every way. I was married and had two kids. I was a choir boy. I mean, it, I smoked a cigarette one time when I was like 11 and about choked to death and never did that again. Tasted one little sip of whiskey and it burned so bad all the way down. I never did that again. This dude lived on that stuff. I mean, he smoked and drank more than he ate. I didn't have anything in common with him. But when I walked in, I did my best to sit down on his couch and talk to him about where he was. About his physical condition, his VCR that they were brand new back in that day. You know how long ago that's been. I talked to him about his television set. Anything I could think of that would interest him. Came to church the following weekend on that Sunday night. God filled him with the Holy Ghost. I didn't pour it, beat him to death with Acts 2.38, and you listen to me, you heathen. If you're not baptized in Jesus' name, you're going to split the pit wide open. I didn't do that. Stop doing that when you have people that you can minister to them. Don't try to impress them with your Bible knowledge and your ignorance. If those two things can go in the same statement. Talk to people where they are. Paul's standard approach was to become all things to you do your best to relate to the person you're talking to. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul said, And unto the Jews, unto the Jews, he said, I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law as under the law. In other words, those that are under the law of Moses, I talked to them about that. To them that are without the law or don't know anything about the Bible, I didn't try to poke the Bible down them. This is Paul's words, that I may gain them. And to the weak, Became I as weak, that I may gain the weak, and am made all things to all men, that by all means save some. The fundamental question at the church council in Acts chapter 15 was this. Does a Gentile have to adopt Jewish customs? Everybody say customs. Does a... Gentile, this was their question in, in Acts 15, you can read it. Does a Gentile, when they come to our church and pray through the Holy Ghost and all that, do they have to adopt our customs in order to be considered by us a Christian? What do you think? Huh? Y'all are scared to death to answer. Well, the answer is no. I saw this with my own eyes. Of, um, I've never been to an LSU football game, but there's the, uh, what do they call them, the Golden Girls from Tigerland or something like that. What do they call them girls? That, they had one of those girls that came to my home church years and years ago. I know I'm on live stream, but it's okay. Came to our church years and years ago and prayed through the Holy Ghost. 
and was buck wild about Jesus. She showed up the following Sunday night. She was so excited about church, she came for choir practice just to listen to the choir practice. She wasn't in it. She just won't sit there and listen. I saw it with my own eyes. A very well-intentioned dragon is what I call them. They're baby killers. Walked over to this lady and said, Sis, if you want to be up there with them, let me tell you what you have to do. You have to get rid of this. You have to get rid of that. You can't do this. You can't do that. And we never saw her again. Don't do that here. Don't do it. Keep your dumb mouth shut. Don't do that. We had a lady a number of years ago when we was in Baker that came. And uh, she had more stuff on of different colors and more jewelry than a jewelry store. And uh, then showed up another service or two and none of that. I didn't recognize her. And said, hey, I'm Pastor Murphy. Glad you're here. She said, yeah, I'm so-and-so. I was here, you know, been coming here for three years with all my stuff on, whatever. I'm sorry, I didn't recognize you. She had family there. When her family walked in, I walked straight up to them. Did you say anything to her? Did you say anything to her? If you did, come in my office right now. Oh, no, Pastor, no, Pastor, no, no, no. We didn't say nothing. And come to find out they didn't. God took care of that. And he's a whole lot better at it than we are. So, just because they don't look like you yet, don't mean they're not a Christian. As a matter of fact, I know more new converts. I know a few new converts that are far more Christian than some of our folks that's had the Holy Ghost for 25, 30, 30 years because they hadn't learned how to be a hypocrite yet. What you see is what you get. <clears throat> Y'all get to that? Y'all get my point? Or I, I can talk about that for a while. The fundamental question for the church today is, does a sinner have to adopt all of our church customs to become a Christian? No, he does not, or she does not. We must continually ask ourselves, who are we trying to impress? Our primary goal, folks, is service, not serve us. All too often we have church for the churched when our goal should be to have church for the unchurched. And here at Grace Church, more relevant is church for broken people church for people who need the grace of god and the love of god and it don't mean that there to mean that there's a whole lot of meat coming down the pike but you what you hear from this pulpit is what reaches people and draws them in is my intent we'll get to all the other stuff later and we try very hard to make that happen and thank you very much for that So Paul taught the New Testament church to adjust their worship services when unbelievers were present in order to reach them. Now, I don't believe true worship runs anybody off. But I think we should lay trying to impress people aside. We're not here to impress anybody. We're here to worship the Lord. <clears throat> so do you expect your church services to run according to your preference? And our ministries here at Grace Church to operate according to your convenience? Or are you more concerned about our guest preferences and their convenience? I've commented about this for the past several years, several years, not just this past Sunday, but for several years I've commented about it to Sister Murphy. It grieves me because Mother's Day, Father's Day, Christmas, Easter, 
will attract people to church that you can't hardly get them out of any other service, but they'll come to that one. They feel it's a safe service, and they come to honor mom and all that, and I'm into that. What bothers me is we have church longer. We don't get out here until about 1230 on Sunday. Most of the other churches in the area, I understand, get out around 1130. So the other church people that have lost people here will want to meet at a restaurant when they get out of church and they don't want to be inconvenient. So the lost people here has to get up before preaching starts and leave to go meet other church people before they have a chance to be ministered to. I say if I have a backslidden kid and he's sitting in an apostolic church somewhere on Sunday morning, I'll postpone lunch as long as I need to, as long as I have that person in church. But this is how Pentecostals think. We want church to run according to our preference and to our convenience. <clears throat> Bottom line, it, it's how bad do we want to reach people? How bad do we want to reach people? Now, I'm not saying that being in service on Mother's Day is going to win anybody. But, buddy, it's sure better than nothing. Sure better than nothing. So Paul said, whatever we do, it is because Christ's love controls us. Whatever we do is because we're, we just love Jesus. So let me explain why we do what we do. Number one, we need to be, we, we are essential. We're, we're, in our beliefs, we have essential beliefs. But in our essential beliefs, we must have unity. We must be unified over essential beliefs. In Ephesians chapter 4, again in the New Living Translation, Paul said, We are all one body, we have the same spirit, and we have all been called to the same glorious future. There's only one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and there's only one God and Father who is over us all and in us all and living through us all. So we must have, it's essential that we have unity in what we believe. Everybody say amen. In non-essential beliefs, it's imperative that we have liberty. Not judge, but liberty. Everybody don't share your convictions. And the minute you try to put them off on people, you lose them. Okay, so in non-essential beliefs, we have liberty. Paul said, except him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. So who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. So in essential things, we must have unity. In non-essential beliefs, we must have liberty. But in all our beliefs, we must have charity. Paul said, if I hold in my mind not only human knowledge, but also the very secrets of God, and if I have the faith that I can move mountains but have no hope, I amount to nothing at all. So I want to ask you tonight, who is your target? Who are you trying to reach? And I hope whoever that is, you can feel comfortable to invite them to Grace Church knowing because of our environment, they're not going to be judged. We're not going to look them up, up one side and down the other and throw them out if they're not 
in exact alignment with what we think people ought to be. We don't do that here. Everybody's welcome to Grace Church. So who's your target? I believe it's okay for you to reach anybody and everybody that you can. But if you want to go after somebody, talk to them where they are. Sister Murphy and I had the coolest experience the other night. If y'all don't know Devin, how do you say his last name? DeSaul? DeSaul? Um, if y'all don't know Devin, you need to get to know him. Him and Andrew, where you see one, you see the other. But Sister Murph and I had an opportunity to go to Wingstop with them the other night after church. <laughs> I had more fun with them two boys than I've had in a long time. You folks that get kind of get a little stiff religion and, you know, all this, well, I ain't got time to fool with those young kids like that. This is why you need to fool with them. You'll get acquainted with a whole new venue of thinking and communicating. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Andrew had um, relatives, I believe it was his grandfather, that used to own the little restaurant on Flannery. Um, Brunet's. Uh, so to this day, when he goes to his grandfather's house, excuse me, when him and Devin go to his grandfather's house, Devin said that Grandpa still cooked them up some of them dishes I used to serve at Brunet's years ago. It was the coolest thing. And I did everything I could to think of anything about a restaurant that I could talk to them about. That's what they wanted to talk about. I didn't keep trying to steer them to, well, you know, I'm the pastor of Grace Church. And what you really need to be looking at here today, young men, is we need to talk a little bit about theology. I need to tell you about one God and how all that works and, and all that. You don't do that. Let them talk, and you talk about what they want to talk about as long as it's appropriate. I mean, Devin was so profound that night. He told me, he was talking about Brunei's and the food they used to serve, and he said they'd get oysters out of water. And I said, I didn't know oysters came out of water. I mean, that that's amazing, man. I'm just really amazed at your knowledge that oysters come out of water. I, Sister Wheeler, I'll talk to you about that after church. And she, she kind of got on board. But the point is, you talk with them where they are. And Jesus did it. The apostles learned how to do that. And it grew the church. And I think it's imperative that we did it. Now, we've crossed an amazing barrier here at Grace Church. And I'm, I'm proud of it. I'm not full of pride because of it, but I'm proud of it. Y'all understand the difference? If we've caused, crossed a racial barrier here. And we have a lot of black and white people here tonight. And I think everybody gets along pretty good. I think it happens that way. And I'm pumped about that. And uh, if it's not, y'all are fooling me pretty good to get here. But um, no, no big issues, no problems or whatever. We have another threshold across. How about Hispanic people? How about Asian people? People from any. Can we reach them? Can we do something here? If they come and they're different from us and their customs are different and their culture is different, as long as they're abiding by the book, is it okay? They don't have to do it the white Caucasian way. 
or the black African-American way. Let them do it their way, right? So we need to cross that threshold. There's, there's lots of pockets of culture, even right here in Central, that we need to break the barrier. We need to cross that threshold and say, hey, you know what? You come to Grace Church and we'll figure out how to work with it. We'll figure out how to handle it. We'll bear with us, be patient, but we want you here no matter what it takes, no matter what we have to do. We have to understand this. It's our purpose as a church to understand and to reach our culture and do the best we can with it. Now, I understand we have things in place here at Grace Church that we have to do for legal reasons and all that kind of stuff, but across the board, I don't know of anybody that has come to Grace Church that we've ever said or even intimated, we really wish you didn't attend church here. Come close a few times. No, I'm kidding. But everybody that comes is welcome. We welcome you. It don't matter what your religious background is, what your religious affiliation is, you're welcome here at Grace Church, and we're all the same at the foot of the cross. We're all humans, and we all want to get to that place called heaven together. Thank the Lord. Anybody on board with me tonight? Let's stand to our feet, and let's give the Lord some praise and thank Him for His Word, shall we? Let's clap our hands to the Lord. Now, I'm going to be honest with everybody here tonight. I don't have all the answers. And I've told many people the story, and I love to tell it. Is that Ethel? you got a hat on, and I can't see with the lights, and I just see a big shadow. That's Ethel. I'll never forget when she first came. I was standing right down here teaching a Thursday night Bible study, and had just dismissed when her and Sister Murphy came. You remember that? And uh, she had a broken wrist, and we prayed for her, and God healed her instantly. She came the next Sunday, if I'm not mistaken, with 10 or more family members. And I panicked. (laughs) I don't know what to do. I, I don't know why it was stupid. When I look back, it's stupid. But I was so desperate to cross that threshold, I didn't want to mess it up. That was the point. I didn't, I didn't want to goof up. And I, I got some very wise counseling, and we did it, and it worked. I didn't know what to do when she came and when her family came. I'm so glad they did. And I'm glad they stayed. And now we have other uh, black folks with us and what have you. Um, but I want to, and I didn't know what to do, but I found out what to do. And I did my best with what little I knew about what to do. So when we have Hispanic people, I don't know what to do with that either. But when they come, we'll figure it out. I'm going to call somebody and say, hey, I need some help here. And I know several people I can call. So this is the point, folks. We want the church to grow in any way, in every way that God wants it to grow. Whatever he wants is what I want. So when God says that something is possible or he wants the church to do something, then it's not our job to say, no, we're not going to do that. When God opens a door for Grace Church, we need to walk through it. Are y'all on board with that? Okay. I want to give y'all a little tidbit. Man, it's only 8-11. I've got another good 20, 30 minutes. Uh, Or I can deposit this in the bank, right? So for this coming, well, not this Sunday, but the following Sunday. But um, I'm going to be calling on you guys in a a couple of months. I want to just go ahead and sow this little seed on Wednesday night. We have such a good crowd here tonight for this. Uh, I'm going to call you guys 
Guys, G-U-Y-S, give up your seat. Give up your seat. We're going to start fishing for about 20 or 30 people who will be willing to go to the A Center for an overflow service on 11 o'clock so we can free up some chairs in here for some more people. I thought that was a pretty good idea, man. Yes, sir. We're on board, Pastor. Let's do it. I just rewound the tape. I didn't say anything. They can edit that right out of the, you won't hear that, see that in archives or nothing. I didn't say a word, son. What we'll do is we'll get more comfortable chairs. Thought that was a good idea, too. Hallelujah. Put in the A Center. Let's see if I can think some more ideas. Keep you clapping and doing that right there. I need some of that going on. But pray about it, seriously. Uh, we keep reaching about 2.30, 2.40 on Sunday, and then it'll go down. And we'll get up to 2.30, 2.40, and then come down. We're already talking about adding more parking when we can. And uh, we want to keep it going. We need about 300, 350 so we can do something really big. And I ain't going to let that cat out of the bag just yet. But we want to do something really big. But we're not done here at Grace Church. And if some of you would give up your seat for a while... We can all come back together again someday, maybe this side of heaven. So, uh, but pray about it, think about it, and uh, we'll work it out. Thank the Lord. So God bless you tonight, being that you're standing. Some of you have already checked out. You're dis- you're, you've already dismissed. You're out in the lobby talking right now. In your mind, you're on your way to Dairy Queen or wherever you go. And uh, But anyway, God bless you folks. Great to see you tonight. We look forward to seeing you Saturday night at our party. Can't wait for that and Sunday morning. God bless you. Walk around, love on somebody. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.